From the American Academy of Dermatology, welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Ben Stoff, Editor-in-Chief. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. Today, we are doing the Dialogues in Dermatology JAD podcast series, and the topic is going to be the article called Emerging Treatments for Itch and Atopic Dermatitis, and a review. I'm here with the lead author, Dr. Yasipovich, and Dr. Yasipovich is the Stiefel Endowed Chair of Medical Dermatology and Director of the Miami Itch Center at the Dr. Philip Frost Department of Dermatology at the University of Miami. Welcome. And to introduce myself, I'm Dr. Jackie Dosal. I'm in private practice in Coral Gables, um, trained at the University of Miami. So I'm very happy to be here with you today discussing this very important topic. So welcome. Great. Thanks, Jackie. It's a pleasure to be here. So just to lead in, we all are super familiar with atopic dermatitis. Obviously, the most universal symptom is itching and pruritus, and it's often the most troublesome symptom. And we're finally starting to get some breakthroughs in the understanding of the pathophysiology of itch and atopic dermatitis. And that's allowed us for new therapies. So I'm so happy that your team made this review because it attempts to give us an updated overview on future treatments that are in phase two and phase three clinical trials. So I'm so excited to get into this, but let me have you give the landscape where we've been up until now, even pre 10 years ago, we sort of had the same old thing, same old thing. So, you know, paint the landscape if you don't mind. Okay, no problem. I'll start that actually seven years ago, we didn't have any targeted treatments. So just to cover what we had for many years were good old topical corticosteroid calcineurin inhibitors. And I, in my practice, would use nonspecific systemic immunosuppressants. One of my favorite was methotrexate. Uh, others were cyclosporin, azofioprine, mycophenolat, mofetil. And occasionally I would have to give, you know, for acute flares, uh, short courses of systemic corticosteroids. And many dermatologists would use a lot of oral antihistamines. I for two decades have not been using oral antihistamines because really uh, the histaminergic pathway related to itch in atopic eczema is really a limited, has a limited effect. And therefore I would never use them except in children or infants that had to sleep, but I would use oral antidepressants like SNRI mirtazapine. I use for these intractable itchy cases a opioid, kappa opioid that inhibits the mu pathway called butorphanol. But things have totally changed uh, seven years ago when dupilumab was launched and really it was a game changer. Then the same year, a topical PDE4 inhibitor, Presabiro was launched and uh, the story goes on and on. I think if you'll invite me in five years, you'll see there are uh, about 10 more drugs in the market. And after just 2016, we have four more drugs in the market for atopic eczema, and all of them have a very robust effect on pruritus, so, which is really the major symptom in dermatology, but I have to mention them. So I do use aparacitinib and upacitinib, the JAK-STAT inhibitors, and there's also another biologic targeted treatment, trilokinumab, targets IL-13. And then just last year, Roxolitinib is a topical JAK1-2 inhibitor that has shown an excellent antipyritic effect. So the good news is that we have several drugs in the market and our patients feel a lot better. However, 
we're still not yet there. Around 60 to 70% of a patient respond, uh, but we have uh, more to look for. And indeed, we had to point out that this field is so hot and uh, this led really to the um, review article to kind of cover the landscape. These were only phase two, phase three trials of drugs well that will eventually, uh, hopefully, some of them are very close to be launched in the market. So I'll, I'll try to share with you today. I also have to mention, maybe I'll just go, Jackie, would you like me to kind of go through what I do nowadays or? Yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Please. So I think that clearly I use a lot dupilumab. It's a safe drug, easy to administer. However, there are patients that do not respond or there are patients, the ones, these are tips and this is off label use. So I don't want you to kind of, these are not in guidelines. So this is what I use is some patients with atopic eczema have just acute flares and overall their eczema is quite in good shape and they don't really need nor a biologic or even topicals, but then they have acute attacks. So in these cases, I think the JAK stat inhibitors are really good because you don't have to use them all the time, use them on and off, and it works extremely well to reduce itch rapidly. So that's one of my tips today. I have to mention that also if there is a localized atopic eczema, there could be really severe itch in localized areas like, like the hand or the lower legs. And there, here I would use a topical JAKSTAT inhibitor and also in the beginning of a treatment, sometimes the patients really want something immediate in terms of their itch at nighttime. So I still use um, mirtazapine as my favorite drug for itch reduction at nighttime. This is in a low dose, as well as using uh, butorphanol for those patients who have intractable itch. By the way, there is scientific data to show that there is an imbalance between mu opioids, you all know, have an anti-pain effect that one of their side effects is itch. And kappa opioids are antagonizing mu. And what happens is that in atopic eczema, it's been shown that there is an imbalance between mu and kappa. So giving butorphanol inhaler for those, this is only for those with intractable itch, um, is uh, very helpful in some of these patients. So I think I covered most of the indications that I would use. I'd like to also maybe emphasize the issue of body surface. I have patients who have not a very extensive body surface. So according to criteria, maybe they don't fit for dupilumab or any of the biologics or the JAK stats. However, these patients do require these treatments, and I'll tell you why. I mean, because the itch is so unbearable, and to me, these drugs, a topical, a lot of times does not help, and therefore, these patients could benefit very well with using uh, these drugs, regardless that the label doesn't say that, but you know, when I'm looking at the field in psoriasis, when we started with biologics with psoriasis, there are patients who had horrible psoriatic hand involvement and they couldn't get biologics. But now we know that they really needed these treatments because there wasn't anything else to help them. So I think I gave in 30 seconds about the way I treat these patients. I'd like also to mention another population with very significant unmet needs the African-American, the skin of color. I, I don't know about your practices, but in my practices, and I've, I've been in several institutions throughout the last two decades, and 
a African-American suffer from really severe atopic eczema. There is scientific data to suggest why. They have an increase in type 2 inflammation and type 22 cells. And also there has been shown to be a polymorphism of IL-4 receptor in these patients. And they, unfortunately, in their participation in studies is a bit limited. Part of it is historically, it's difficult to recruit these patients, but they benefit extremely well from these new drugs. So hopefully in the next couple of years, we will have more drug trials. I know at least one drug trial that we're involved now that deals with that unmet need of this population. Not just dupilumab has been reported to help these patients, but there is actually a data from trilokinumab that it works extremely well for skin of color. Wow, that was fantastic. A lecture in itself. There you go. (laughs) That wasn't the intention. Sorry. (laughs) I have a follow-up question, and we still haven't even started on the journal yet. When you say uh, JAK inhibition systemic for a short term, is that like one or two weeks or one or two months? What were you referring to? Excellent. So I'm talking about one or two months usually. But I have some patients that have used it for a limited period of time, shorter than that. And remember, because it's administered daily, and it's also their pharmacokinetics, you could do that because like with a biologic, you can't do that because you do an injection and it has a duration and half-life of uh, two weeks or sometimes four weeks. So clearly we have a capability here to control ups and downs of their itch. Right. It's a small molecule. It's it's out of the system pretty quickly. Right. And your dose of mirtazapine, because I didn't use that in residency. So Okay, right. So again, that's a very important question because mirtazapine is actually a drug for depression and anxiety. Uh, but I use only low doses of this drug up to 15 milligrams. You could even start with elderly sometimes have horrible itch, not just atopics. And I use their half a pill. You can go up to 15 milligrams. Beyond that, it becomes more an antidepression drug. So in its antipyretic effect is not better in a higher dose. Great. Thank you. And in anything to look out for with side effects to warn patients? Excellent question. It does cause drowsiness. So some patients can't tolerate that. That's really the major side effect that I would say in patients, uh, and particularly elderly, that become too drowsy. Okay. Okay. So on to the article. (laughs) So we have both topical and systemic drugs in the pipeline. So let's start with topical. I'll let you take the lead. Okay. Yeah. So here, and as dermatologists, I'm always excited about topicals because it's easy to administer and usually there aren't any side effects. So one topical that I'm in particularly, and I'll, I'll review several of them that we've published in the article, but I have to mention that there'll be more because in the phase one trials now, there are so many new ones. But let's start with Tapanarov. This is a drug that is already in the market for psoriasis. So dermatologists could feel a bit more comfortable using it. It actually activates, it's not an antagonist, it's an agonist. It activates a very interesting receptor called a real hydrocarbon receptor. And this receptor was found in human skin cells to modulate inflammatory cytokines, particularly also type 4 CD4 T cells, but it also has an effect in improving skin barrier. 
And it has been shown in, uh, initially to have in very small studies to have an antipyretic effect and also a effect in, as an anti-inflammatory for atopic eczema. And recently in the American Academy of Dermatology last meeting in March, the data of the phase 2B were presented and the results, and this is a larger study with two different things, uh, if I was incorrect, it's 0.5% and 1%. And the study demonstrated that 30% of a patient receiving 1% and 33% receiving 0.5 twice daily had a significant reduction of three points or more in their weekly pruritus NRS. I have to mention, for those of you who don't know, this is a kind of indication for a antipyretic drug now by FDA. It actually started from a study that I did way back in psoriasis on antipyretic effect that showed that a significant, meaningful reduction, because it's not enough just to show that it reduces itch, because the patients want to feel, and what is a meaningful itch reduction for patient was a four or greater change. Later on, we repeated the study with dupilumab and now with other drugs. And again, a meaningful itch reduction runs around between a three-point absolute number and NRS. The NRS is divided to zero, no itch, and 10 is the worst unbearable itch. So it is between three point or greater. So this is kind of a benchmark for any of you who is not involved so much in research and wants to know if really this drug is a better antipyritic. So if you see that it has a less effect, it's most probably less effective. Okay, so that's with Tepanerov that I'm kind of excited. And the other is a the good old PDE4 inhibitors. We know about them from Crisabarol. But I have to mention that crisabarol is limited in its effect. Uh, I think most of you have tried that in atopic eczema nowadays. And I have to mention that it's not so potent. But interestingly, there are some new PD4 inhibitors that are topical, such as roflamilaster, lotamilast, and defamilast. There, there are so many names, I won't go even, uh, so I don't want to be biased to any one of them. All of them most probably work very similarly, but there is no head-to-head -head comparison. But they do have a more potent antipyretic effect in atopic dermatitis. It seems like reflamilis is more advanced in, in terms of its treatment. So I'm quite excited about this drug. And again, this drug has been already in the market for psoriasis. It's also been tested in Sebderm and it has very good antipyretic effects. So I stay tuned because I think this drug will end up in the market too, as well as others. So very interesting. I, I found it interesting the last few years that now we have with the PDE4 inhibition crossing over and treating both atopic dermatitis with crisabarol and then psoriasis with a premolast. I always found it very interesting that you could target to what we thought were different pathways, TH1, TH2, with the same medication. And I always kept wondering, are we going to see downstream side effects of this? Because cyclic AMP is everywhere. So how come we're affecting something beneficially and we're not getting too many other side effects? But so far, they've been on the market for a long time, at least a Premalast and Crisaparol. And it doesn't seem to be that there's too many other safety signals. 
I agree with you. And remember, with topicals, really, it's rare to have significant absorption in the system. So I'm not concerned about it. But overall, I agree with you that we were taught like there's a very big difference sometimes between type 2 and type 1 inflammation. But there's a lot of overlap. Just to share with you, we did genetic. I know it's not, I don't want to go into too much basic science, but we did genetic studies of itch and atopic dermatitis and psoriasis in humans. And a lot of the targets are shared together. So it that makes means sense. that we can sometimes target both the itch part, at least. Uh, that's my expertise. So we can target both the itch in both an atopic dermatitis and psoriasis with many topicals that kind of uh, address cytokines of different pathways. So a very important question that you mentioned. Thank you. Another interesting, and it comes kind of to the point that you mentioned, uh, because we know the JAK inhibitors are also been used, like tofacin, it was used for psoriasis, and they do also work for the topical we know already, roxolitinib, but there is in Japan also a JAK inhibitor called delgocitinib, and it's been already approved for atopic dermatitis with moderate to severe AD with significant itch. Interestingly, the data that the Japanese reported of the itch reduction was not so impressive, but I have to tell you that the Japanese are working in Southeast Asia and have been exposed to a lot of uh, Japanese population, their ratings sometimes are a bit different from ours. So we'll see if this drug will make it to the U.S. market. Another approach that could be very interesting in terms of the, again, it's related in a way to JAKSTAT, but some of you are already familiar with the tyrosine kinase too. This is another member of the JAK family. It's a more narrower target. So remember, JAKSTAT, they have a bit more stronger effect but they cover a lot more cytokines. They're not just one cytokine. So this is a topical called brepocetinib, and it inhibits uh, tyrosine kinase 2 and a JAK1 inhibitor, a combo, and it showed very significant antipyritic effect. Another important aspect that you have to remember when I judge a a drug efficacy is how fast it does. And the report of this uh, phase two study showed that it took uh, in two days and three days, there were already reports that the patients have noticed significant reduction of itch. So this is also seems to be an exciting area. I would say that in the article, I mentioned also TRIP V1 antagonist. This was a study of it showed that it reduced itch. It didn't provide information exactly how it reduces itch. And I'll explain what's trip V1. For those of you who uh, like chili pepper, that's the receptor for chili pepper. Uh, it's a transit receptor potential. These are ion channels in the nerves. They're downstream of the cytokines, but they're known to be, interestingly, TRIP-V1 is more known to be involved in acutage. So this study was a bit interesting to me, but it showed that it had an antipyritic effect in atopic eczema because I usually expect that a TRIP-V1 antagonist would work better for acutage. I think I covered uh, almost all all the topicals that I covered in the paper, but maybe we should go to our... Yes, we just have a few systemic systemic now. 
So let's start first with the IL-13. All of you know that dupilumab kind of blocks the IL-4 receptor and it's part of a receptor complex with IL-13. But uh, a drug that seems to be very close to be launched, maybe this year or next year, early next year, is a IL-13 receptor inhibitor called Librakizumab. Librakizumab is a monoclonal antibody that has been shown to be in phase two trials very effective for a atopic eczema, and it has a long-term follow-up with a phase three trial of 52 weeks. And it showed, this is the impressive part of this, is that 80% of the patients with every four weeks injection or every two weeks, similar effect, had a significant itch reduction of four point or more. This is very impressive. And I have to tell you that I have my biases because in my research, I've done a lot of work on IL-13 and find it as a very key important factor in itch induction, not just in atopic eczema. Jackie, that would be beyond the scope of today, but for other itchy diseases. So I strongly believe that this drug and targeting the IL-13 is extremely important. Moreover, this drug had a basic science studies showing that uh, when you uh, administer this blocker on DRGs of animal models, it blocks the itch significantly. The animal stops scratching. So I strongly believe that this is another target that would be helpful for our patients. And indeed, uh, the results are very promising. Another very promising drug is a drug that actually is in the market in Japan. This is another area that I have a close relationship in terms of my bias in researches. I've been working for many years on interleukin-31. It's been actually in board tests. My resident showed that, told me that it's been one of those questions that targeting what is the major itchy cytokine. And clearly IL-31 stands out as a very important itchy cytokine, and it's been involved in many type 2 inflammatory conditions. And indeed, nemolizumab had a significant antipyritic effect in phase 3 trials from Japan in AD and moderate to severe atopic dermatitis. And 60 milligrams of this uh, drug every four weeks was uh, very effective in itch reduction. In fact, the a reduction starts very fast. And the reduction in pruritus using, it's a bit of a different scale, a visual analog scale was about 68% for two studies that were done. Uh, we're waiting also for a big study that will be published in the US, hopefully in the next couple of months. So quite an exciting area for the itchologs because we do believe that IL-31 has a significant role in itch of atopic eczema. So I've been hearing about this compound for quite some time now, but are we still quite a ways away from approval? You said a publication. Oh, you know, I've got, yeah, I have the feeling that it will be early next year, but, but again, I have to be careful. I'm not the representative of the companies. I just have that feeling that we're getting so close to getting it approved. And, you know, sometimes FDA has its own limitations. But again, I would like to emphasize the importance of all the targeted treatment, the biologics are very safe. So this is, again, a very safe drug 
the safety profile, you know, this is something that I always judge a drug. I mean, I don't want to cause any of my patients side effects that especially dermatologists that are limited in time in dealing with other conditions. So I feel very comfortable that we'll be able to use these drugs without really being concerned about side effects. I have to also mention that even the JAK-STAT inhibitors that they have a black box warning, I don't think that the majority of these side effects were related to conditions that are themselves a lot more complex in terms of systemic diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis or, and some of the GI diseases like IBD. So it's very difficult to look at the population and compare about the safety issue. So I feel that overall, a level of comfort using all the drugs, but clearly the biologics themselves are safer than Jack stats. Okay, so we have two more that we're discussing. Ooh, wow. So let's start maybe with the one that I think is more closer to us in terms of launching. These are the anti-OX40 monoclonal antibodies and uh, targeting the OX40 and its ligand. So OX40 is a activating factor in T cells and they induce type 2 inflammation. And they also are associated with dendritic cells. And again, they're actually also involved in TNF as a receptor. But the main issue is that they have a long-term effect. So a, a drug called telezorilumab, which is an OX40 antagonist in a phase 2A, showed very promising results in its uh, effect on atopic eczema. The results in itch reduction were maybe less impressive, but this is a smaller group. And also the four weeks and 10 weeks of treatment is a very short duration. But the advantage of this treatment is that it won't be on a monthly basis. Most probably these are drugs that you would take every three or four months. So there are several anti-OX40 monoclonal antibodies in phase two trials. So I'm quite excited about this field. We'll have to get more information about some of the safety issues with these drugs, but it seems to be of interest to those dealing with patients who failed the other drugs. In addition, I always love to use oral medications, and there is a development in the oral field of treatments, and this is a drug that works on, let's maybe explain first the mechanism of action. This is a sphingosin-1-phosphate modulator, so it's not an antagonist. It's actually a lipid metabolite that interacts with the sphingosin-1-phosphate receptor, and it modulates immune interactions, but in particularly, its effect is on migration of lymphocytes from lymphoid organs. So it prevents them from coming to the skin where it's the target of atopic eczema. So this drug has been shown to be effective in moderate to severe atopic dermatitis, and there was a reduction of uh, the peak uh, NRS in 12 weeks of around 38%, if I'm correct, or 38% to 35%. So we'll need to know more about the mechanism of action and, and uh, phase three trials to see how this drug works in our population. But I love the idea of having another oral medication 
in addition to the JAK stats. Absolutely. And those were two mechanisms that I had not learned about. So thank you. That was fantastic. Jackie, I can delve into more, but I thought to keep it simple because I get overexcited describing <laughs> some of these mechanisms. And sometimes then there is kind of, or the listeners become a bit distracted. So, <laughs> no, this was perfect. We already got a ton of information, and you already answered all the follow up questions I was going to have for you. We did that in the beginning of the talk. So, I thought this was fantastic. It's so exciting to know that there's even more coming. You know, if this was an exciting time in dermatology, it's going to get even better. So, I love it. So, I'm so happy and grateful to have you on. Anything else you wanted to say? You know, Jackie, I'm also excited. I think I looked at there's almost 20 other drugs in development for target atopic dermatitis itch. And as an itchalog, part of my name is itch. I'm extremely excited. So thank you, Jackie, for inviting me. It's always a pleasure and uh, hope to see you in Miami. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. And to the listeners, thank you for joining us in Dialogues in Dermatology, the JAD podcast. Thanks again for tuning in to another edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. For more dialogues, subscribe to us through the website of the American Academy of Dermatology, then link your subscription through your favorite podcast app. Remember, the subscription is free for residents. New podcasts are released each week in addition to free special bonus episodes. You can also listen to dialogues online through the AAD website. Thanks again for listening.